0: welcome to the person partner parent podcast we're all about pursuing a life where you can be a great parent enjoy a loving relationship, and chase your own dreams. It's not necessarily about equal balance, but shifting with change and challenges that come before us. It's about discerning what matters and what we need to focus on. I am your host, Nancy Elizabeth. I'm a mom of two small humans and one fur baby. I'm a partner of 15 years and wife of nine. I'm an engineer who didn't want the corporate world, But armed with a love of research, I became a self-improvement enthusiast who has a burning desire to experience life in its fullest. Now I'm ready to take what I've learned, bring in the experts, and help us all figure it out. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the Person Partner Parent Podcast. Today I'm excited because we are meeting Lindsay Howe. She is a school principal, an assistant principal at three different elementary schools. So as you can imagine, this year she is incredibly busy. We are all facing the challenges of back to school and what it's looking like, and I just thought it'd be wonderful to talk to Lindsay to get some inside perspective on what it's like for the teachers and administrators and all the hard work that they're doing to make sure that we are all safe and our kiddos are wonderfully educated. So without further ado, hi, Lindsay. Good morning. How are you? Thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you so much for coming. I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy to be up early. (laughs) So let's start kind of, you know, we've talked about this is the elephant in the room. I mean, going back to school in a pandemic, it's a year that looks completely different. What has this looked like for you specifically? What is the status of your schools? Are you guys back in person?
1: So students, I'm in Massachusetts, so students don't come back until the second week in September, actually, so we have a a bit of time, but that was actually something that was negotiated through our state teachers union for teachers to get two full weeks of planning before this year, which I think is going to be tremendously helpful. Um, but I've, I found it so interesting that every state is so different with how they're returning to school and what it looks like. Um, but Massachusetts, most schools are going back in a hybrid model. So students are split into two different cohorts. Half the students are in the building one week, half our home, and then they switch the following week. Okay. Wow. All right. So there's been a lot of planning with that behind the scenes. This was the first summer that I worked all summer long, um, almost every day to make sure we were up and ready to go, make sure families know what's happening, students feel comfortable to come back. But that was what we found was most feasible and safe for our community.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And at least it's something very consistent and not too scattered where parents can also plan childcare and other things around. And what have been some challenges to setting that up? Cause I imagine you have sibling groups and you have a lot of complicated factors. <laughs> yes, it's definitely, I feel like every time we finish
1: one thing, there's something else that comes that we Aww. didn't anticipate or think of, but uh, planning the cohorts is probably the most challenging. Like you said, making sure that all the siblings across the middle school, high school, elementary oh, yeah. schools are the same weeks um, scheduling with that. And then, of course, just making everyone, including teachers, feel comfortable about new protocols, um, thinking about like arrival and dismissal, for example, seems something so small yeah. to reinvent the whole thing because families can't be coming in the building. Students need to be distanced. So there's been a lot of brainstorming and master of the minds have you kind of sitting in rooms thinking about what will look different this year.
0: That's awesome. And we're so appreciative of all the work you guys are doing this year. Yeah. So imagine like, what does lunch look like for elementary students? Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Lunch
1: is something I feel like we've spent a silly amount of time on measuring cafeteria tables, pretending to be kids sitting down at each, you know, lunch table bench, but depending on the school and how much room they have, Students are spread out. Some of the lunch tables have plexiglass around them so that students can still interact but have that protection around their own bodies. Um, and then it's also just a longer period of time between scheduling to make sure that we have people in there cleaning. Sure. Uh, students know what to do with their masks so they're not getting their Lunchable on their mask and <laughs> all of those small things that we've been figuring out who's going to put in their lunch number which the flow of traffic in a cafeteria, yeah. it's made me appreciate how many minuscule things we actually plan preparing for a school year that we just take for granted that it's the same every year yeah. that this year we've just, you know, have unpacked and redone quite a bit that I think we'll actually use some of the changes in the future too.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, everything is an opportunity for growth, even though it's hard. I'm excited that the kids can still interact because I think that's something so many parents are concerned about and lamenting, Um, kids not going back or kids going back and being distant. I mean, that's such an important, special part of learning is being together and community.
1: Exactly. We say kids need to go back to socialize, but we need to make sure we still are affording that opportunity. And how can we do that, whether it's in the lunchroom, recess, but really in the classroom too.
0: Yeah kind of jumping ahead in my notes here, but I looked at some of the things you've been posting online and you were talking about teachers getting creative and finding ways that even though the kids can't be physically working together, maybe how to engage them during a lesson and doing a funny thing of let's all sit on our desks or something like that.
1: Yeah, I love, I, I personally think that out of all things in the classroom, student engagement is most important. And I think that that number one can come from building relationships with your students, but also... Sometimes just being fun and silly and thinking about what the kids need. And if currently most of I've seen a lot of pictures from around the states, and a lot of the setups are desks all in a straight line. It's like that old Catholic school setup that everyone's facing forward. Um, So we're going back in time, and most of our students can't sit there all day. Yeah. So I'm thinking of other ways like have them sit on their desk for a couple minutes. Have them. Stand on their chair if it's safe and it's, you know, depending on the grade level. Um, Could you have them still do a small group with the other uh, desks around them? I think teachers just need to expand the what can I do instead of what can't I do. So it's trying, I'm trying to help them understand that teaching might look different, but they still can adjust and the accommodations are going to look very different this year for everyone. Every student's going to need things changed to make it work for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that you are tuning into that. And I neglected to mention at the intro that Lindsay also functions as an instructional coach at one of the three schools that she works at. And I forgot to mention, you mentioned it before that you're in Massachusetts. So she's very close to my uh, hometown. I grew up in Rhode Island. And so I'm saying hello and <laughs> maybe she can ship me some clam chowder or something.
1: Oh, I had some last week. It was so good.
0: So we are talking about how you are also an instructional coach. Um, you, so you really work with the teachers and helping them be prepared for this.
1: Yes. So due to budgetary reasons at one of the schools, basically our coaches are funded through title one funding. Okay. So at three out of the four elementary schools qualify for that funding. So coaches are there and the one school that doesn't qualify needed a coach and we just haven't hired one or had it in the budget to do it. So I am the coach for teams that I don't evaluate It's something that, you know, I think that that makes sense. It shouldn't be a joint role to do both. Um, But I do love being able to be on the curriculum side and still feel like I'm understanding what teachers' struggles are, what they feel really confident in, what they're thinking about new programs we've just adopted. Um, Next year, we're hoping to start a new math curriculum and we have teachers piloting and um, trying the materials out in different capacities. And I've been trying to step into that role to model it for teachers. And that's the lens that I never want to lose. And I enjoy, that was why I became an assistant principal to start with too. I wanted to be able to help kids and teachers. It was that next step, not just helping students.
0: Well, that's awesome. We appreciate that dedication. So yeah, I wanted to ask you about this year, And kind of some of your advice on all the different things we're doing. We've jumped into it a little bit already. Mask modeling and, you know, helping the kids, especially younger. I mean, you said you taught fourth grade. So by then they should know better. They're probably being a little bit uh, challenging if they're intentionally. Um, But also about how to read emotions because how to connect with the eyes and tell where someone's at.
1: Yes, I think the modeling and routines and expectations in the beginning need to look so different. I keep telling teachers, I do not want you to touch any curriculum, any of it until at least two weeks into school. Like we just need you to connect with kids, get a gauge Mm. of where they're at, how they're feeling about all this, what's going on at home. Um, I think part of the mask wearing, we have to connect with families to tell them the expectations, even a week or two before school I'm really going to be encouraging teachers to call families. call them, check in, introduce yourself, ask them, have you you know, has your child been wearing a mask? Can you make sure that they're trying that the next few days, getting comfortable with it um, that they understand how to wear it? I've seen teachers recording some amazing you know screencastify videos that they're showing them their face what it looks like without a mask, what it looks like with the mask, and then going through different emotions of you know, You can tell when someone's sad from their eyebrows or their eyes or their body language. And I think adding those into a morning meeting, um, reading some texts that we can make connections with this time is monumental at the beginning of the year. And I'm I'm hoping that I can get into every classroom and read a book targeted towards emotions and um, connections and friendships with each class at the beginning of this year, too.
0: Yeah, because it's going to be creative both for the teachers and the kids themselves on forging friendships this year. That's going to look different for them as well.
1: And they're really, at least for us, they're only with 10 other kids. They're not mixing with other students. So they're really, I feel like going to connect with that group, but it also, we have to, how can they connect virtually and how can they still, you know, build friendships with students in other grades without us mixing cohorts. We're definitely going to have to get creative. Mm -hmm. Like you said.
0: Yeah. I, that's one of the big themes of this year is like creativity, having to just constantly pivot and think of new ways to approach things. Like, um, yeah, I mean, the epitome of thinking outside of the box, really. Um, yeah. You mentioned the the morning meetings, which is very interesting and how to do that in a virtual setting. Can you talk about that a bit? Mm-hmm. So that's something
1: that I've been, it's like when I'm on a walk or I'm in the shower, something that I'm thinking about, Like, how, <laughs> yeah. how can I make this work for students at home and in school? Um, But I think just figuring out ways that you can either ask a prompt or a question that kids in the room could answer, but maybe that they could ask someone who's online or the students who are watching part of that lesson could put their answer in the chat box. Um, If there was the capacity that another adult was in the room that could facilitate the online morning meeting, Mm -hmm. they could have those students, the 12 students or whatever it should be in your model Um, having that meeting together. Like I've seen teachers do a scavenger hunt, like go find three things that are yellow in your house and then bring them back. And then they do a quick share of what it is or why it's special to their family. Um, I think any way we can make kids feel seen, especially on the virtual remote side is extremely important, especially for our students who are extra quiet or we're not quite sure if they're understanding things during the day. We need to provide them opportunities to be seen and heard, not just a number on a Zoom screen or that little yes. face.
0: Yeah, that that is definitely a concern and something that's hard when you're remote. Um, so the morning meeting, the focus on that is the kids talking to each other more so than communicating with the teacher? Is yes,
1: that- more of a connection based. So um, morning meeting is coined by Responsive Classroom. So it's usually okay. like a greeting to each other, some sort of share and some sort of activity. And most of the activity is based around different social, emotional learning, problem solving. Um, that's when like, we would set a class goal and the whole class would talk about how is it working? Are there any issues? I like it for peer conflict. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same thing that we would ask adults to do, right? We would come together in a meeting, but we don't often provide kids the opportunity to work through those problems. And morning meeting is a perfect opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, that's such a real life applicable skill. I mean, as they go on, if they continue in education, any kind of employment, just running a family, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, all those kind of things, that's a very real skill. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm... New, I mean, my kids aren't in elementary school yet, and my background is not teaching. I'm kind of loving the anchor charts and how to redo that for the virtual setting.
1: you you got, you didn't give yourself enough credit. I've seen your some of your homeschooling stuff. You have some awesome stuff going on with your little oh, ones. Thank you.
0: <laughs> We're just starting. <laughs> um,
1: so, similar to morning meeting, I feel like we have how can we make access things accessible from the classroom virtually for students? So like anchor charts and different visual aids or something that I think that we could add. Um, one thing I showed teachers was just getting like a dry erase slip.
0: Mm. You
1: can put different papers in there and write, right on it. Um, so you can have one for each student and they could bring that home and they could be doing, and I don't want to say worksheets because I don't want to be pushing <laughs> work- worksheets for engagement, but but you know what I mean? If it's a template that they could be filling out and then they could erase it and get rid of it to minimize the contact this year. We don't really want papers passed back and forth. So that was a way they could take a picture and they could upload it to our Google Classroom. Yeah. I have also encouraged teachers to use like a blank sketchbook. Make your anchor charts on the blank sketchbook. You have it for small groups when you're in school or if you're in like a Zoom breakout room. But you could also quickly take a picture of that and post it up to your whatever platform you're using. Um, You can use your document camera and you could show it to students right on your screen. There's so many ways you could use a smaller anchor chart. So that's goes back to the rethinking what we've usually done. So yes, we can still have anchor charts, but it's going to look different in order for kids to access it.
0: Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking and laughing a little bit. Um, Because I mean, hopefully we'll edit it out and it'll be smooth. But I had a heck of a time getting connected on this call today. And then 10 minutes in, my internet just completely dropped. And I I didn't know Lindsay before today. So I was like, oh, gosh, I hope she doesn't run away (laughs) at me. But I'm just thinking of these poor teachers. I mean, just working so hard to get everyone engaged and then having similar technological (laughs) problems. So May the good internet be with you this year. Yes,
1: that's actually <laughs> one of the PD sessions that I'm planning on running is technology troubleshooting. It's like when it goes yeah. down, when your microphone doesn't work, what, what can we do? Because we know that's going to happen and, and kids need to know what to do too.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me grace and <laughs> sticking around with me. Of course. On that note, um, what do you think teachers can do to care for themselves this year? Like what are some ways they can do some extra... Self care and and find those moments. Great question.
1: This is something that I am really passionate about. That I think that we, like I said, you could make it a twenty four seven job. We're constantly pouring into others, but it's really important to stop and say, "What have I done for myself?" Um, so everyone's, you know, everyone's enjoyment is different for what they want to do for hobbies. Um, I've made it a point to really try to build a routine that I can work out, go for a walk, read a book, things that I enjoy doing. I think knowing when to stop your day. So like in the morning, I actually, part of my journaling is I write down when I want my day to end. So it says like, I'll stop working at 4pm. And I kind of just think about my schedule. And it helps me remember like when it's getting close to that time. Okay, like you've been working 12, 13 hours, it's probably time for you to Go home, and teachers need to stop feeling guilty about not bringing things home. Like we don't have to pack a bag full of things every single night to be a good teacher. Yeah, think about like what can we prioritize, what can we, what can wait, and what do kids actually need from us? They they really need a teacher who's able to have the energy and love for them in the classroom. And if we're exhausted and emotional and drained. We, yeah. can't, we can't give that to them. That's the most important thing we can give.
0: Yeah. I bet it's one of those careers where that list is really never caught up. Like there's always something more you could do. Exactly. And for certain personality types, that has to be very hard. Yes. Like I,
1: I'm someone who I have to tell myself it's time to turn off. Like you don't have to be productive for you to be, you know, worth worthy. of yes. more. So it's you know, it's good for people to self-reflect on what stress looks like for them too. Sometimes when I'm stressed, I just keep going and other people shut down Um, and relying on your colleagues to know that for each other too, I think is extremely valuable when like the cafeteria for teachers is going to look different. Like the teacher's room was a place that we kind of unloaded and vented on things we needed to. And lunch is going to look different this year. So when can you connect with colleagues to share and ask for help if you need it?
0: Yeah, that's important. How does it work for teachers with the cohorts? Are they, how how in the world does that work? Are they teaching (laughs) virtually and in person at the same time? Are they doing it from home? Are they? So in our district, they are
1: teaching both the A and B students the same time. So A students say they're in the classroom, B students, there's about 12 of them virtually who will watch the lesson. So just the, you know, 10, 15 minute lesson, and then they'll have assignments to do online. So okay. they'll only be there for the direct instruction part. And then the next week we'll switch. So the A students will be watching virtually and then the B students will be in person. We we do have a decent percentage of students. It's about 15% of our student body who are fully remote. And that is separate from each school. It's like its own remote school this year.
0: Oh, okay. So that dynamic will look different. Yes. Gosh, that is a lot. That is complicated.
1: I'm going to have multiple lists to figure (laughs) out where a student is at some time.
0: It's the year of color coding and lists. Yes. All of the type A, type 1 people are like, it's my moment. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But that is wonderful that you're meeting all these different kids and families where they're at.
1: Yes, we have to.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. One of the things you talked about, which I found was interesting, was executive functioning. And this kind of, it rings for me because I think it's something that I'm going to need to watch with my four-year-old to help him. And you talked about kind of how that can be applied in the classroom. I'm wondering if you have any ideas about how that can be translated at home. Sure. So going back to the, sometimes we focus so much on content in school.
1: I feel like the, the human skills, like executive functioning, sometimes get pushed aside. And that's what families are looking for the most help on. So when I talk with families, they're looking for, you know, um, I have, you know, my child's late every day because she can't get out of bed and figure out, you know, the next steps to get to school on time. Or when when she gets home after school, I feel like we don't have a routine to get homework done or whatever it should be at home. So I think executive functioning, having students understand, number one, what they personally need and just starting small with like different checklists. Um, So I have a student who I, I adore and always, always, always will think about because he taught me so much as a teacher and he really needed from the moment he stepped in our classroom, Okay, where am I going first? What do I need? So I need my folder? I take that on my bag. I check that off. okay, in his brain all right what is what's next? He was constantly you know distracted by other um, stimuli so yeah i th- and I talk to that family all the time. Well, what does he do when he gets home? Could you have a checklist or like a magnet board that he moves and slides things over? Mm. So I think a little bit off topic from the exec executive functioning, but the routines that kind of f- you know, intertwine with it too. I think stu- students and kids at home need to know what their school day looks like and then it's actually still school. So as much as you yeah. can build a routine in, I know I've, I've seen your visual schedules. I think those are amazing. They're amazing. Those are what kids need because they when they're expecting things, they're able to process it. They're able to like emotionally understand and adapt more when we see uh child sometimes out, say, at the store and they're throwing a temper tantrum, I I automatically am like, hmm, like what is it that they didn't expect or that they need that they can't verbalize? So having ways that we can help kids at home say what they need and um, understand their routine through the day, I think will help families tremendously too.
0: Yeah. To maintain that kind of structure and that, because usually there's kind of that, I mean, it depends on the family, but School does look different than home and and translates. And, and it'll be interesting because kids tend to behave differently mm-hmm. for other grownups than they do for their parents. But so that'll be interesting. And it, that actually leads into what I was going to talk about next is um, how can parents help you in this process? How can parents, um, specifically for remote, how can parents help teachers facilitate the day and learning? Parents?
1: really need to form partnerships, I believe, with the schools. Like, we really have to understand this is a team effort. Um, I know teachers understand, and some teachers are in the same boat, that families have to work. Parents are struggling to balance their kids at home, their own work, you know, making sure the kids are fed. There's so many other implications and things that are going on at home. So I I, I would say, number one, remember that it's not a, like, us first you. It's a team effort mm-hmm. to get the best education for your child. Um, number two, I would take some time to understand what your district's plan and platforms, what what they're actually doing. I've seen so many Facebook posts. I've seen different... Um, I've just been talking to even some of my friends who work in schools and are unaware of what the plans are. They say, yeah well, it's never been communicated and it, it has. So I would say assume best intentions and make sure that you've taken the time to um, invest and understand what the district's going, you know, the goals are. Um, And then just that routine that I mentioned is huge. What, when are you expecting your child to get up? Um, Can you give them certain responsibilities or what, what are they going to need from you and ask your, ask the teacher too. what, do you have any suggestions of how long she should be in front of the computer doing, you know, X, maybe set a timer for your um, child or think about what is the teacher doing in the classroom that I could do at home easily and and have that open dialogue with the teacher asking those questions, like be willing to learn during this challenging time for families at home.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the extra work that I think is going to, be necessary for it to be successful Um, because, yeah, if those kids are independently kind of doing those, um, working through the assignments afterwards and the teacher, I think the parents for the most part want to reinforce and maybe sometimes, you know, what's the expectation of how long they sit still and and snack or bathroom or whichever. And maybe some parents, there's such a variety of parenting styles. And so I can see some being, Wanting to do the best thing and being so super strict and maybe there's teacher guidance of like, hey, let them move their bodies, let them get some dynamic or a visual break or something.
1: Exactly. Like I even think of like the if then scenarios that we use in the classroom, it would work perfectly at home. Like, Johnny, if you work for 10 minutes, then you'll earn five minutes to go play outside before we do our next activity. Just with small tidbits. And that's something you're making me think that I want teachers to be sending out weekly in their newsletters. Give like a a teaching tip for parents um, and think of ways that you can make the home office for that student work and truly make that student feel engaged and part of the classroom.
0: From a parent, that would be amazing. Um, Because I think all parents, we'd want this to work. Um, We want the teachers in the schools to be successful. And, um, sometimes we just don't know, we don't understand exactly um, what that might look like. Yeah.
1: And I think the, exactly what you said, the admitting sometimes that we don't know on both sides is part of our partnership this fall. Like it's the, I think of mo- how fourth grade multiplication works and how many f- families were like, I don't know how to do this and panicking when it came around with the common core multiplication. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's okay to say you don't know and for the teacher to help you and vice versa on different things. The not knowing and growing together is what will connect us.
0: Yeah. Common learning together. Yes. So any ideas specifically on how parents can keep a child engaged, keep them comfortable while they're sitting? I mean, it's, it's hard for anyone to sit all day long. Do you have some specific um, ideas parents can do to set their kids up this year?
1: I would first think about their environment or space Mm -hmm. and, It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just I think the student knowing where is their learning space and kind of separating that, like, we don't often go teach a lesson in the cafeteria. So if a child knows that like the classroom is their learning space, where is their learning space at home? Um, And what tools do they need to access, to be able to, I don't know, it sounds silly, but even like a pack of crayons, markers, markers, Scissors, so they have those things that they know that are theirs and that they can become creative with some of their work or maybe, you know, adding color where they can um, I think the engagement piece is going to be hard from home because we draw so much off each other's energy. So I am hoping that teachers come still can bring that vibrance through our live lessons. Mm-hmm. But I do think that's something that, we're going to struggle with this
0: year. I don't have a perfect answer for it yet. Sure. Well, I think probably it'll be interesting to maybe talk with you in a couple of weeks or a couple of months and see, I think, as application and learning in real time is going to be. Yes, we're going to be pivoting quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other good word for 2020, The classic <laughs> pivot. Mm-hmm constantly, because I think we all thought, I mean, we'd be in a different position by now. I mean, pretty much everyone canceled March and on and rescheduled for October. And now we're like,
1: just kidding. I'm (laughs) hoping we'll make it through the school year for June and come back normal in fall 2021. That's my hope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs) So how can parents, is there a way that parents and the community can support teachers in general, are there needs that we can help fill? There are many programs
1: right now that I've seen on our local radio station. I know on our district website, we've been posting different supplies that, you know, as a school district we could use and appreciate. Um, So I would definitely look at those supply lists. Thinking about like technology and Chromebooks, like we are not a one-to-one district, but every student's going to need a device to make this happen. So we've been looking at different grants and community support with that. Yeah. Um, even above that, I think just really only speaking to what's factual and that you truly know is really important that if oh, you yeah. have questions, ask the school directly, like call, call us, email us. That's what we're there for. And unfortunately I think sometimes people um, share hearsay or post something that's not true. And then it leads to, more questions and especially especially right now (laughs) opening school during a pandemic people have so many questions that the answers are already out there too but they hear something that might not be correct and it spirals and it actually ends up creating a lot more work for our school community especially the leadership team yeah Um, instead of just someone asking the school directly we're there all the time I always say give us a call
0: yeah because then you're combating and you're trying to then spread the truth out there or get the information out. That's more accurate, but maybe by then you have an upset group of, of parents and things. Um, that, yeah, that can be challenging.
1: We have the common goal to help helping kids. Right. So I, I always try to bring that back to the community. Like, well, what do you actually want for the kids in our community? Cause we want the same. So how can we partner to make that work?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's about grace. I think we need to show some grace for each other um, that you guys are clearly doing your best and, you know, parents give yourself grace, teachers give the parents grace, parents give the teachers and administrators a ton of grace. I mean, clearly you've been working a ton to reimagine every tiny aspect of the day. Yes.
1: Yes. So, I think like you said, grace is huge. I might have to post that word on my office door <laughs> this fall.
0: Well, you said something earlier, too, that I loved, and I almost wrote it down. Well, I think you said, like, with best assume best intentions, mm-hmm. and I think that's another really good one, especially for parents of teachers. I think sometimes we're so on edge, and um, we have so much hope and anticipation and worry for our kids that we don't necessarily assume best intentions. How can um, – well, and I guess that also talks about funding. Um, have you guys seen – I feel like if I recall, Massachusetts was pretty good about trying to to divert funds to the schools, but in all over the country, um, schools are not seeing, they need extra funding this year and instead funding is being cut. Right. Um, Is there a way the community can step in there? Like you kind of mentioned technology and things.
1: Yes and no. I think that Mm. on some of the grant side, certain money has been cut, but there's also been some money provided for COVID relief for schools. Okay, I know in Massachusetts, particularly, especially for like PPE, um, certain professional development, there's been money provided. But on the same note, I I am always conflicted with the political side of education because I'd love to say that education isn't political, but it definitely is. (laughs) Mm. So the only thing I could say is when, a ballot comes up and it has something on it regarding education and funding that if the most you can to support schools, you know, I would recommend and highly endorse. I just think it's sad. I think about air conditioning seems like something so small. Yeah. We don't have air conditioning and it's so extremely hot. And that's a big worry for us that it's going to be 90 degrees for the first month of school kids with masks inside and the ventilation that we've already put money into. You don't have to worry about that in a business building, most yeah. office buildings. So there's some things in education that I think the bigger I don't don't always see. And when you're doing that vote for your town taxes, think about how that money really could impact so many kids.
0: Yeah, that's bewildering to me. I, and I think something I just thought about recently talking with someone else that there's no air conditioning in a lot of schools, no heating either. And so switching gears again, I saw you posted a book about homework and that you take a no homework (laughs) stance. I do. So (laughs) I
1: remember my first maybe three, four years of teaching the battles and the amount of time I was spending talking to families about people not doing homework or they're upset. They didn't understand part of it. It seemed like it was always an issue. And I ended up working with a colleague who gave me a book by Alfie Kahn, The mm-hmm. Homework Myth. And I started reading that. And then I was doing some work around um, universal design for learning and giving students choice. So I switched over to a choice board. And wow. when I started a new position, this was four years ago now, three, four years ago, I decided to say – I opened up to parents at back to school night. And I said, I just want to remind you, this is exactly what I said. I said, I'm a professional educator. I said, I've spent years doing research on things in education to make sure that I'm providing the best I possibly can for your child. I said, I really expect that you trust what I am putting forth. And if you don't, you know, reach out to me and we can have a conversation. And I said, homework is not one of them. Your child is nine years old. They need to come home and they need to be able to help you with things around the house. They need to have dinner with you. I want them to play outside. I want them to be a kid. And I think um, until middle school, that research shows that homework has no academic benefit. So I encourage them, you know, read a book, um, have them help you rake leaves, have them be a a family member. I don't want them on the computer all the time or on a phone. It just is something that I think they've spent all day learning. Why are we sending them home with another hour or two of truly busy work and then coming back the next day to start our lesson, the first 20 minutes reviewing homework?
0: Yeah, that's a lot of um, extra mental. And then I think, you know, most families bouncing from getting back to work and maybe other children and cooking dinner, it probably takes a lot longer than the intended original time.
1: Yes. Causes and, more family strain than good in most cases.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think that's awesome. And you have my support. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, So what's the choice board though?
1: Can you elaborate on that? So I put one out every month and I mm-hmm. definitely tried to put some seasonal things in where I could. So like the fall one, I know I had, you know, rake leaves with your family, carve a pumpkin. Could you, um, I provided like a couple art projects they could do like they could take leaves and do the crayon sketch over it. Mm. Some of them were certain points for helping out their family. So I did like extra points if they unloaded the dishwasher or they did the laundry, things that encouraged family unity and support for again more of those executive functioning things at home too. Yes. Like write down your routine or did you exercise? Do 10 jumping jacks, 10 push push-ups. record it and send it in. Kids love to record themselves and send <laughs> it in in some capacity. So when they recorded a book talk or themselves doing exercise, I got bombarded with a whole Google Classroom <laughs> stream of videos and it kept them engaged and you know, out of their parents' hair per se in a good way at home.
0: That's awesome. So it was a board that they could kind of choose what activities they wanted to do. Were they expected to do one every day or was it just open, accumulate as much as you want?
1: There were certain months there was recommended amount. Um, mm-hmm. Other times it was just like accumulate as many points as you could. Okay. And they, if they got a certain amount of points, they earned things in the classroom.
0: Okay. That's cool. And it's all those things, those life skills, the executive functioning, getting physical, getting, cause you were sitting all day in that classroom, mm-hmm. like get out, move. Yes. Get yep. those motor skills. And yeah, I you think need that. Awesome. Thanks. I need that. I mean, grown up <laughs> for this year, I mean, there's so much going on, and there's a hundred little things that are going on. What are the biggest challenges that you feel, um, be it for you personally or your schools? Um, what do you really think is the biggest thing that you are concerned about this year? I'm most
1: concerned about balancing and navigating. People, in the aspect of I feel like everyone's comfort level is so different. Um, yes, the fear base first, faith base versus people who have are you know are have been quarantined during this whole time. Everyone's mm-hmm. comfort level is different, and how people approach you know anything, but really a pandemic. Um, so I'm I'm trying to be sensitive to the needs of our staff, our family members, you said, give them grace, giving empathy. But I also am trying to push the boundaries a little bit of what do we know? What Mm -hmm. do do we know to be true? Mm. What can we do for kids in the community, whether certain things keep them safe or to learn um, and trying to shift some of the perspectives. So I think, you know, like the Massachusetts teachers union has talked quite a bit about, Um, remote learning or teachers not going back to school. And there's certain things that I fully agree with that they've said and that any teacher would agree or disagree Mm -hmm. with. Then there's things that I think about, like we have kids who really need to come to school for food. They really need the safety of school and for us Mm -hmm. to be checking in on um, other things that involve the state, you know, different family care, other things that I think we sometimes forget about. So I think just finding Balance between that all and expressing to everyone like we can't please everyone, but we're doing the best we can, and being okay with that is going to have to be the part for me that um, is the hardest this fall.
0: Yeah, there's not one true and certain path, it's just too complicated and too much unknown for that. Yes,
1: I like being a people pleaser, but I'm knowing that I can't please everyone right now.
0: Yeah, and that's hard to sit with sometimes, right. Yeah. Well, what gives you hope for this year and what gives you joy about this upcoming year?
1: I cannot wait to see kids. I just, I haven't seen really, truly, I've not seen kids in person since March 12th. Yeah. And so that part, I just am thrilled to have kids back in the building and see their little smiles. You know, I'm hoping some of them wear those clear masks so I can see their yeah. cute almost that way too. Um, but I also am really hopeful that I think this is, I'm trying to look at it as an opportunity. There's so many things that we can be shifting in our classrooms, partnering, like you said, partnering with families Mm -hmm. that we're going to be like, I thought in June, we are already tech experts and that we had, you know, quickly pivoted, imagine how we're going to feel next June after we conquered a whole nother year of these changes. And, you know, it's pushing, everyone to get out of their comfort zone, to take yes. risks, to just look at life, I think, from a different perspective. And it, in some ways, I feel like that's going to come out on the other side for education in a good way.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I think that's a very cool thing in that education needs to continue to shift and keep up with um, a very shifting world, a rapidly shifting world. Yes, we do. So- Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being that kind of educator. I want to thank you for caring for our children and for their families. I think the phone call idea is incredible. As a parent, if I were to get a personal phone call, I would be so moved. And that would already set the tone um, for knowing that that teacher really cares or that administrator or whoever on the staff really is making that effort. And, And so that's wonderful. I want to thank you for going the extra mile to endure and adapt in this completely unprecedented year and time thank you so much for having me it was awesome talking to you today um Lindsay, do you have a way that if anyone listening wants to follow you in your education journey this year or just get in touch with you in general um or if you have any resources your blog or anything how can we connect with you how can we follow you
1: I am on Instagram and Twitter as teach you how, H O W E, a little pun on my last name. <laughs> um I do have a blog that to be honest I have not kept up as much as I wish I had this summer, but it's um teach you how at WordPress. So you could find me there and I'm always happy for people to reach out, message me with anything you need and we can chat.
0: Okay. And I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything so you can find Lindsay easily. Uh, Thank you so much for taking your Sunday morning to come talk to us. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.